Hey everybody, welcome to the export. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tay, aka somebody I gotta ask. I know that the Jaw Hungers, I think Jaw One Hungers or whatever, sold out, but once they get back on the market, you gonna cop a pair? Yeah, I'm definitely getting a pair of Jaws. I just gotta figure out exactly which ones I want. Low key, I like the first pair that came out more, or at least the color palette of it, because the blue and red's kind of kind of basic to me we see it all the time the first one that had like the lavender and the yellow and everything that that was good i think i want the scratches that's the one that's like the teal green and the pink and it's like the uh like zebra stripe nike check oh, or something like that yeah that's the one i think i want to try to get yeah, ain't no telling when they're going to be made available, but I'm sure there's going to be plenty more Josh shoes coming out despite all the controversy. Speaking of controversy, it's a lot going on in the league in terms of the NFL with regards to the new rule changes, which we will talk to. We're going to talk whether or not there is a chance of LeBron James actually retiring this offseason. And then finally, we're going to close things out with our Night of Champions predictions, where I am joined by a very special guest, as always. But before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out TheExport.net. I repeat, TheExport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled the x report so let's go ahead and kick things off with our nfl news um starting out of baltimore by way of new york by way of arizona uh nine-year veteran safety tony jefferson has announced that he is going to be retiring from the league and will be taking on a scouting role with the baltimore ravens honestly he's one of my favorite ravens of the past decade so i'm happy to have him back in the building and i'm excited to see him continue on with his career because last year he said that his goal was to be a gm so who knows maybe he will take over for edc whenever he decides to hang it up all right, let's talk about some current players, starting with Jadavian Clowney, who's been on the free agent market for the past few months. And while there hasn't been much buzz about him, he recently said in an interview he wouldn't be mad to go back to Houston. In a recent interview, he said, it would be nice to return to the Texans. My family's here, friends here, the guys I work out with can help me take care of my body a lot better being right up under them. So, who knows? Sometimes the best choice is the first choice. So believable or buffoonery. Well, technically not. But Jadavia Clowney going to the Texas would be a good fit. I think it would be. I mean, what? even though like he didn't live up to the height that he had when he was drafted, but I think he could be a guy that you could bring in. He can help mentor Will Anderson. Um, and also just kind of show him the ropes. Because, I mean, granted, even though he hasn't necessarily been the the level of production from a player standpoint that people assume he was going to get, he's still been a pretty successful NFL player. So that's a good way to bring him in. He could learn, um, and he can just go where he started out his career. In. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Um, yes, the way that things ended uh, with regards to him in Cleveland weren't pretty and it made him look really bad which I think does play a role as to why he is still a free agent. I think that playing under a guy like D'Amico Ryans, he's not going to let that stuff fly. And like you mentioned, I mean, he could be a veteran 
uh, presence for a guy like Will Anderson, who is expected to be their new premier pass rusher. And while Jadavion Clowney isn't a guy who's going to rack up a whole bunch of sacks, he is a guy who has been pretty good against stopping the run when he's been healthy. And the uh, Houston Texans could definitely use that, especially because they're still in the division with Travis Etienne, Jonathan Taylor, and of course, Derrick Henry. So I think it'd be a good move for all uh, sides involved. All right, continuing on with moves. We've been talking for months about the possibility of DeAndre Hopkins getting traded. Well, that no longer is a possibility as today it came out that Arizona Cardinals have decided to release him, eating $22.5 million of dead cap, which is a bit better than the alternative of the 30 plus mil he would have kept if they would have kept him. And so now it begs the question, where is D-Hop going next? Um, in an interview prior to his release with I Am Athlete, he talked about some of the things he's looking for with his neck next organization for example he said what i want is a stable management upstairs i think that's something i haven't really had the past couple of years my career coming from houston and then to arizona i've been through three or four gms in my career so a stable management he also said a quarterback who loves the game a quarterback who brings everybody on board with him and pushes not just himself but everybody around him and a defense a great defense wins championships um he also made note of the five quarterbacks he'd like to play with which included john Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. Safe to say that D-Hop is going to have quite a bit of interest, especially because he's going to come at a much lower contract figure. So realistically, what team do you think is the best fit for D-Hop? Realistically, I would say either Buffalo or Baltimore. Obviously, I like that second option more, but Buffalo at first kind of took my attention, but then I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm swayed towards the Chiefs, which I don't think anybody really wants to see, but I think that the Chiefs probably be the best option because if you go to Buffalo, I love DeAndre Hopkins, but I would still contend that at this point, Stephon Diggs is the number one. And while that could create opportunity where teams can't double-team Stefan or D-Hop, and that could create more opportunities for him. But on the other hand, I mean, D-Hop has been a number one wide receiver his entire career. And I think it's probably would be an adjustment not to be that guy anymore. So you go to a place like Kansas City, you get to play with the best quarterback in the league. You obviously are their number one wide receiver. Then you get to play with the future Hall of Famer and uh, Travis Kelsey. Like I said, I don't think anybody really wants to see it. But, I mean, I think – I think it'd be nasty. But in terms of a contract, do you think that wherever he goes, it probably ends up being a one- to two-year type deal? Or do you think maybe he could prolong it and finish his career wherever he ends up signing? I think it'll be a one- to two-type deal just because, like, he's a little – he's older. He's had a couple seasons of, like, coming off an injury. So I think somebody's not going to be willing to take, like, a super big gamble. But if he comes in on, like, let's say he gets a one-year deal with, like, the Chiefs, like you said, I think if he balls out, he might be able to get, like, at least a three- or four-year deal at a reasonable price tag. Yeah, I feel that. I think it depends on where he goes. Like, for example, a Chiefs, I think that would be a one-and-done type deal. Whereas with Philly, I could see him potentially being there for a little while. I think that it could help to – because, let's see, you got A.J. Brown there, who everybody knows is great, but then you got Devontae Smith, who's going to have a contract coming up soon. And while Jalen Hurts' deal is cap-friendly throughout um, its length, 
I mean, who knows? Maybe Devontae Smith, the money he wants is a bit out of the range, whereas if you already got DeAndre Hawkins in tow, who's going to be much cheaper and a bit older and more established, that could end up being a long-term option. Same could be said for Buffalo. Him and D, uh, Stephon Diggs could ride out for a long time. And Chargers, I don't think they would be the ones to do it. But it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I'm hoping that since he hasn't exactly been on a tour He's been working out with a lot of different players, and he's already had so many veterans try to recruit him. So hopefully we won't have to wait too, too long to see where DeAndre Hopkins ends up. But all right, let's go ahead and turn things to the front office side. So recently there was a meeting with the owners and NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell regarding some potential rule changes, and so far there have been three big ones to come out of it. So what we're going to do is briefly look at all three of them and kind of give our thoughts on them. Starting off with the Thursday night football rule, um, it has been announced that games have been will be able to be flexed um, for Thursday night football between weeks 13 through 17 after it passed on a vote 24 to 8. However, there are stipulations. Only two flexes are allowed all season, and they must be done 28 days in advance notice. Teams cannot play two away Thursday night football games in a season. While that doesn't seem like a big deal, one must also take into account most people are buying their, in their football tickets months in advance. And so if they get a ticket for a game on a Sunday that's moved to a Thursday, especially if they have to travel or vice versa, I think it is pretty inconvenient from a stand fan standpoint. And as a player, I don't think it's fair to potentially have to spend two weeks or at least have two games where you're not getting much time to prepare. You're only getting a four-day period to kind of rest your body. So I don't really like this rule change. Yeah. The only time I honestly agree with schedule flexing is if it's like a situation where it's like, let's say, I think I forget it was a couple of years ago where it was a big game going on and they flexed it from Sunday evening to Sunday night. Those are the schedule flexing I'm fine with, but it's like if you're taking the game that could be played on a Sunday and flexed to us a, a, a Thursday. Yeah, it's inconvenient, and not up to the fans. It's inconsiderate more to the players because it's like now we have to reschedule. We have to shift our host, our whole weekly schedule around. So yeah, I kind of don't like it either. Yeah, I feel that. And typically, when they do the changes that you just mentioned, that typically comes about when it's something like week eighteen, when it's like such and such has to win this game to make the playoffs. Like most recently, uh, when they put the Packers and Lions Sunday Night Football. Because, yeah, had the Seahawks game gone differently, the winner of that game would have went to the playoffs. But, yeah, so I like that one. But, yeah, changing it multiple days in advance, I don't think that's exactly fair. Uh, speaking of fair, fair, there is a new fair catch rule in place as well. The NFL has approved a rule that would allow fair catches to be placed at the 25 per Article 4 um, putting ball in play after the fair catch. So after a fair catch is made or is awarded, um, as the result of fair catch interference, the receiving team has the option of putting the ball either uh, by a fair catch kick, aka from the spot of the catch, or if they're behind the 25-yard line, it can move the kick up to the 25-yard line, or um, and they do a touchback. So essentially, instead of it being from the 20-yard line, or if you fair catch the ball at like the 9-yard line, it moves you up to the 25. 
In other words, that's another move that a lot of people do not like from players and coaches alike. For example, Travis Kelsey bashed the rule and called it stupid and said, I don't think this is making the game safe. I think it's making it more boring and taking a lot of the excitement out of the game's opening play. This is whack. Do you agree with that sentiment or do you not have much of an issue with the moving up of the 25, of the fair catch line? I have this, I don't, right now, I don't have much of any concern with the, I have to see it play out in game and like see if it like has an impact in any kind of way on the game itself. I'll, when I think of it, off rip, I don't really have much of a problem with, but for example, if you get a great punt, right? And you get it down to like the one yard line. If the person fair catches it, it automatically moves them up to the 25. And so in that retrospect, I don't really like it because I think it is kind of given like a bit of an unfair advantage. But I don't, I'm not, other than that, I'm not too pressed by it. Like you said, like we'll see how much of an effect it has on the actual season. But as of right now, there's little things about it that I don't like, but on the whole, I don't think it's too, I don't think it's going to disrupt my viewing experience. All right, last but not least, this possibly is the biggest one um, following the NFC Championship game where Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson of the San Francisco 49ers both went out against the Eagles. Everyone was clamoring for the league to allow an emergency quarterback situation. And finally, the rule has passed. Um, the new rule states that the league has approved a new quarterback rule, which allows a team to dress a third quarterback and a 47th active player on game days. That 47th player would not count against the active roster. So in the event that a starting and backup quarterback go down, the third string quarterback can come in and it does not cost the team a roster spot. How do you feel about that move? Um, I think it's cool. I think it'll be a spot that probably will seldomly actually be needed except for like really rare scenarios. But if you want to add an extra quarterback, that's fine. I think it might be a way for teams to like stash an extra developmental quarterback at most, but that's fine. Yeah, I don't have an issue with it. Like, I know members of the Eagles felt some type of way about it. I don't remember which player it was that said it. But essentially, they took it as the league felt like had the 49ers had another quarterback, they would have won that game. And so from that retrospect, I get it. But like you said, how often is it that the starting and backup quarterbacks are going to be out of the game? So I think that it's fair to give kind of that equal playing field. Because who knows, a third-string quarterback could mess around and be no better than if like that Kendall Hinton situation that the Broncos had a few years ago when all their quarterbacks had COVID and had to have a wide receiver play quarterback. So I don't think it's too much of a big deal just because, I mean, how often is it actually going to happen? But all right, let's go ahead and play our quick game of Believable or Buffoonery. Keeping things in San Francisco, uh, talking about quarterbacks. And no, not Trey Lance or Brock Purdy. Instead, the conversation is on Sam Darnold. Um, former 49ers offensive coordinator Mike Martz and mine behind the Rams' greatest show on turf had this to say about Sam Darnold's potential of being quarterback one in San Fran. He said, I believe Sam Darnold will start. He has a He's a very um, highly talented guy coming out of college. He was put in a couple of tough situations with the Jets and Panthers. Now he's with a solid offensive staff and a coach who is a brilliant with quarterbacks. The 49ers are an extremely talented team and Donald being the starter will be a great thing. They are primed to have a great season. So believable or buffoonery, Sam Donald is the best option at QB for the 49ers. 
Um, I'm going to say buffoonery just because Brock Purdy has looked so good so far. I'm going to say buffoonery because, what, Sam Donald got drafted in, what, 2018? Yeah. I feel like we are, not we, but people are still kind of biting off of that potential. Like, even in the statement, he was very talented coming out of college, sure, but he also turned the ball over a lot. And last, sure, his last few games with the Panthers were fine, but it's not like people were looking at Sam Darn like, yeah, this guy's the future. Yeah, he could really mess around and lead this team to a championship or even to the playoffs. And I feel like in Brock Purdy, we've seen him have really good performances and was very clean with the ball. And Trey Lance, I think that his ceiling is higher than that of Sam Darnold. So because of that, I'm going to say buffoonery. All right, talking about Sam Donald's former team, though, the New York Jets, they have been a bit under fire. First, it came from running back Ty Johnson, who recently in an in-depth interview talked about the team's handling of his injury. Um, Back this past season, he underwent surgery for a torn chest and said that the team had recommended that he fix it only to decide to cut him a few days later with a non-football-related injury designation. He said, I was told about the injury. I told them even earlier. I was like, hey, I was working out, torn my chest. I saw the team doctor. He said, you need to fix it. Flew the next day for surgery. Came back happy I did it, even though I didn't want to do it to myself. Then that Wednesday, I got cut. Um, Another current player for the Jets, Makai Becton, has also spoken out about the team and their handling of his injuries. Um, For example, talking about being placed at right tackle despite suffering a knee injury. Um, With a recent injury with um, interview, I'm sorry, with Newsday, he said that no one cared about his injury. He said, it made no sense to play me at right tackle. I hurt my right knee. That's going to be the knee I put the most pressure on while in pass protection. I explained it to the coaches, but no one cared so believable or buffoonery the jets are quietly setting their players up for failure absolutely i mean if you're not willing to like i'm also going to think about the the makai beckton situation makai beckton before he got hurt was one of the best better alignment in the nfl right and like he got hurt, he's telling you, like, hey, I can't play right tackle. You throw him out there, and not only are you re, um, you're risking him for to re-aggravate the injury, but you're also, like, limiting his production. Because it's like, if you can, if he's telling you, like, hey, I can't play this position because of my knee, you throw him out there, and he's looking bad, then, like, it's making... Like, if he's not being productive on the field, so you're not going to get the best results it's from a player standpoint, he'll miss out on probably getting another payday because you can be like, hey, well, in week, from weeks 15 through 17 of the 2022 season, you gave up three and a half sacks. And those could be the those could be the weeks when they played him when he came back from injury, when he told them to not do it. So, yeah, I definitely think the Jets are setting their players up for failure. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, especially because essentially, like he said, I had surgery on my right knee and I'm playing right tackle. Like he said, most of his pressure and his weight is going to be on that right knee. So it's not even a shock that he ended up getting hurt and messed around and missed, I believe, all of last season, if not most of the season. Like you said, 
that's going to mess around and mess with his money. Because even if he has a good year this year, people are going to look back like, well, you did kind of miss a lot of time with injuries. We don't know how much we can trust you. And so, yeah, I think that the Jets are costing him and other players their futures. All right, let's go ahead and move on to uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Another player who's kind of had his name brought up in trade discussions for the past couple of months is running back Austin Eckler. Well, it seems that the situation has been rectified for at least the time being. After um, this offseason of not being able to trade him, um, the ran- he will be staying with the Chargers and having close to $2 million in extensives added to his deal this season. Then once it's over, Eckler will be a free agent at the age of 28. You I both kind of talked about it with regards to not thinking he was going to get traded but now it's official he's going to be in LA for one more year and it's pretty safe to say they're going to use the hell out of him so believable or buffoonery Austin Eckler is going to have the best season of his career absolutely because they're gonna unless he gets hurt they're gonna get his money's worth I mean their money's worth out of him yeah for sure especially because like we've talked about it I I would say and feel free to disagree with me I would feel I feel like he is the most he's the best offensive weapon that they have because Keenan Allen is very good but Keenan Allen can, has suffered a lot of injuries say it could be said for Mike Williams uh Gerald Everett is a fine tight end we don't know what Quentin Johnson is gonna be and so whenever Mike Williams and or Keenan Allen have not been on the field everything has been on Austin Eckler's shoulders and time and time again he has shown up and so he may not be the sexiest running back in terms of like pure running back rushing yards and rushing touchdowns, et cetera. But that man knows how to make plays, whether it be through the air or the ground. So, yeah, I think that he is going to have a crazy year. And if I can, I'm going to try to get him in fantasy football. All right, keeping things in the conversation of running backs, Adrian Peterson, one of the all-time greats, has admitted that he has not mentally retired. He said, mentally, I haven't officially hung it up yet. Adrian Peterson is 38 years old, last played with the Tennessee Titans at least a few years ago. Crazier things have happened, but believable or buffoonery, a team will give Adrian Peterson an opportunity. Absolutely not. Yeah, I don't see the point in it. Like, dude, just retire. Go get in the Hall of Fame. You're obviously going to make it. If you really want to play that bad, go to the XFL or USFL or something because the NFL ain't happening. Yeah, but... But all right, last one. This is not a believable buffoonery. It is a would you rather. So with the contract extensions of Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts and the upcoming ones of Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, it's had people questioning what is going to happen with Patrick Mahomes. A few years back, he signed a 10-year, $450 million contract extension, and many believe that the Chiefs may try to restructure his deal to make him the highest-paid quarterback in the league. He was asked about that um, at OTAs, and he said, honestly, I worry about legacy and winning rings more than money at this moment. He also added he's made enough money to set himself up for generations. So, Ethan, let's say you get one year to be an NFL quarterback. Would you rather make the most money per year or win a Super Bowl? I mean, if I'm doing it from the standpoint of one year, I'm going to pick make the most money because then once that one year is up, I'll still have bread after, hopefully. But if I'm looking at it from the standpoint of, like, if I had an NFL career, I will, I will go for Super Bowls over making the most money. It's hard for me because on the one hand, like, for let's say, for example, I'm uh, – 
let's say I'm Lamar Jackson deal. Average, I'm averaging 52 mil a year. That's nice. But if you win a Super Bowl, not only are you getting the Super Bowl bonuses and everything that comes with it, but also you're getting mad endorsement deals. And That's so low-key, that could equal out to your already annual salary and you get the notoriety of being a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Nobody can take that away from you. And then you're also getting a lot of endorsements. And so in that retrospect, I think I would go Super Bowl because also you got to factor in how much money is actually guaranteed. So I, I think I'd say Super Bowl, but it, it's it's a close one. It is a very close argument because, I mean, to be fair, there's teams like, for example, the 85 Bears. Bears franchise has done nothing since then, but those players are still living off that Super Bowl. Yeah, that's true. So I think I, I would take the Super Bowl, but it's it, it, it will be an interesting discussion. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to our NBA updates, starting with our Mamba players of the week. Um, Easter Mamba for me, these last two games, I'm, I will give the nod to Jason Tatum. Um, 30-plus game four. This past game was one of four Celtics starters to drop over 20 points. And finally, like we saw in the 76ers series, once things get pressure-filled and backs against the wall, that's when Jason Tatum is starting to show up. So I'll give him his due. Yeah, I got Jason Tatum, too. I'm, I'd rather be saying Jimmy Butler right now, but it is what it is. Same. I, I feel like we'll be able to say Jimmy Butler's name again soon in a positive light. And then Western Mamba, Jamal Murray has been balling, but I, I got to go Nikola Jokic for obvious reasons. Yeah, I got this. Yeah, that's the foregone. It has to be Nikola. No disrespect, though. Ball out, Jamal. We'll talk about you in a second. But, all right, let's go ahead and talk our top three takeaways of the past week. Ethan, you can start us off. Top three takeaways. Um, I think I was going to say I think follow time caught up to LeBron. But I don't necessarily – I think it's the combination of follow time and that injury that he came back from bothering him more than, more than he liked to put it on really affected his play. Um, Because if you think about it, outside of the last game against Denver, the fairly he made it in the playoffs, the fairly looked more and more like LeBron wasn't himself. Like, in the series against the Grizzlies, he kind of had moments where it's like, he didn't even really have moments against the Grizzlies, but he had like a couple key points where it's like, oh, this is LeBron James that we're used to seeing. And then the the playoffs went further and further along, and it's like I've never seen this version of LeBron before. Like he's letting Austin Reeves handle the ball in the crunch. He's letting D'Angelo Russell handle the ball in the crunch. Um, so I think it's the combination of age and the injury is what kind of made LeBron look like not look like himself. So um, yeah, because I mean he's been hurt. When was that Dallas game? when he initially got hurt. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were even saying then he might need season-ending surgery. And so now hopefully he can get it and get back healthy. Uh, number three for me is the Celtics are finally snapping back into reality. I mean, we saw it last series against the 76ers when it seemed like the 76ers got that 3-1 lead and they really started to 
no, 3-2 lead, I'm sorry. And it really seemed like they were bouncing back and that they were going to take the series. Instead, Jason Tatum goes crazy those last two games, and here we are. Now, in the past couple of games against the Heat, it's been, again, more of that collaborative effort, and we're seeing the Celtics play as good as everybody knows that they can. And so it sucks that they had to be pushed to the brink in order to get it there. But, I mean, it makes for a much better series when they are competitive. Um, for me, my number two is whether Miami wins or lose, whether Miami win or loses in this um, Eastern Conference Finals, I think in order for them to get fully get over the hump and win the NBA championship, they're going to have to add another star to their team. Um, Bam, when he's been aggressive, he look he's looked great, but he isn't always aggressive and like. These past couple of games, you've just seen guy like the guys hone in on Jimmy and kind of try to neutralize him, and it's being effective. And then, so like they just need another guy. And I know Tyler Hero's gone, so he would he would have provided some of this spark. But they just need another guy that you can just give the ball to, and it's like, hey, when we need it, we need a bucket because like that's been a big thing with the with the um, past two games against Boston. When Boston's going on those runs, like they can't have, they don't. Miami hasn't had somebody that can get a bucket to kind of stop the bleeding, and they just kind of got ran out. I'm playing devil's advocate, but would Dame be a star? You think they should go after, or do you think that that wouldn't make much of a difference? It would. I think they definitely should go after Dame because it's like Dame. He's still young enough to where he can be an effective player. His like his game, he he play, he plays up in big moments, just like Jimmy Butler. So like I think like if I were him, I would go after Dame. I mean it would make sense. I, and Kyle Lowry has done nothing, and no disrespect to Gabe Vincent, he's been cool. But I would take Dame with a swiftness, not even a conversation. All right, uh, my number two is the Lakers are entering one of the most important off-seasons in franchise history. Even after they made those big moves at the trade deadline, I don't think anybody really expected them to go all the way to the Western Conference Finals. Yes, they got swept, but still it's, to me, a shock that they made it that far. And so now it begins the question of, well, what do you do now? Because you know with this new roster and this new lineup led by LeBron and AD, you get... Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who was very helpful, Malik Beasley, another one of those guys, D'Lo, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura. Spoiler alert, not all of those guys are going to come back next year. And it's a matter of who do you prioritize to bring back? And it's like, do you go with the young depth that you have and try to keep them? Do you try to bring in a superstar to kind of make it a three-piece and really try to help expand on the success you've had with AD and LeBron? It's a lot of questions that the Lakers are going to have to answer. Not to mention if by some stretch of the imagination, LeBron James actually really is thinking about retiring. Like it is a lot that the Lakers are going to have to do because this offseason, I mean, this season showed you that you're not that far off. So what are you going to do to get over that hump? Yeah, that's true. And then your number one. Uh, my number one is even though they're making, they're scratching and clawing their way back in the series, 
I think that the Boston Celtics might have still regretted getting rid of Ima Udoka. Um, and I said this off air, and we I told y'all I would say my thoughts on air. And the reason why I say it is because, like, <clears throat> Joe Mazzula, he's been a good coach. So far, he's been fine. But a thing that struck me <clears throat> was – I think it was after game three, whichever game it was that they got blown out. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, I didn't have them ready to play. And to me, like, there was something. Like, I remember when Ime Udoki used to coach, and, like, he'll call a timeout. And, like, as soon as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are walking off the court, he's walking to them, like, going at them and, like, confronting them and, like, um, not in an aggressive way, but in a way that, like, as a coach, you want to challenge. Yeah, holding them accountable. And the more and more I've, I've seen Joe Mazzula, I don't see that. Like, I kind of see a guy. He kind of just he kind of just stands there. He'll say stuff in the huddle, but he kind of just stands there and doesn't really say much. And I think that's the thing when you have guys like a Jason Taylor and a Jalen Brown. Like, you have to have a coach that's going to hold him accountable in all scenarios, whether it's in practice, whether it's during the game, whatever. And I think that's what Ime Udoka brought. Because if you remember, like, when the whole him, when the whole scandal with him cheating came about, everyone else was like, yeah, we think he, well, I wouldn't say everybody, but people are like, I don't think he's going to get fired, but he's going to be punished. But the players are like, no, we want to make sure that this guy stays in our locker room. And I think that speaks volumes. And you just don't see, like, the same, um, like, the same, like, backing with, from Joe Mazzula, in a sense, from the play. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because, I mean, you hit it on the head. With that statement he made, like, I didn't have the guys ready. Like, at that point, you're down 2-0. What do you mean you didn't have the guys ready? Like, this is a pretty big game. And so, like you said, like, yeah, the series is, what, 3-2 now? And that's awesome and that's great. But it it doesn't feel like Joe Mazzula is exactly the motivator that that locker room needs. If that makes sense. Um, I'm sorry. Because the thing of it is, is like, and, and another part of this is, in my personal opinion, the Boston Celtics are where they are right now because they're a supremely talented basketball team. Yes. Like, they have, from top to bottom, they're one of the most talented teams in the NBA. And the thing about it is, is when you have a lot of talent, you have what, they, what happens with them. You have a lot of inconsistency because on days when those guys um, – on days when those guys don't feel it, you need the coach to get in their face and be like, hey, look, I know you can drop 30 in your sleep, but we got to get a dub, so you got to play defense. Right. And like, that's what Ime Udoka was doing. Like, uh, granted, they ran into a buzzsaw in the final year in Golden State, but, like, I thought, like, going into this season, like, if they would have had Ime Udoka, he would have served, like, suspension, I would have been like, yeah, I think they're going – I would have had them paid coming out of the East just off of that alone. But, yeah. I feel that. So, how do you think the series plays out? 
Because Jimmy Butler guaranteed a win, which I think is, I love Jimmy Butler, but I think it's stupid to ever do that. You think the Heat close out in six or we go on to seven? I think it's going, I, I think it's going seven. Um, I want to say it's going seven just because Jimmy Butler guaranteed they were going to win. But the other hand is Jimmy's coming off not a good game. I think he dropped, what, 14 points uh, last yeah. night. And so, and they're going to be back in Miami. They're going to be hungry. They're going to be determined to close it out. I think it's over. I'll say it like this. I think it's over if it goes I think it's over, but if it goes to seven, I think Boston wins it just because momentum is totally on their side. Still banging a drum. I still want the Heat to go, but I think that the Heat are making a major it's over if they let it go to seven. But all right, let's go ahead and talk some NBA news. Starting off with Carmelo Anthony officially announcing that he is retiring. One of the best shooters to ever do it. Six-time All-NBA, 10-time All-Star, three-time Olympic gold medalist, 2003 NCAA champion, made the All-Rookie team back in 2003, 2012 scoring champion, ninth all-time leading scorer, and was named to the NBA's 75th anniversary team. I'm sure neither of us were all that surprised when he did officially decide to retire. But now that he's it's calling it quits, it's bringing out a lot of think pieces. So in your opinion, Ethan, where does Carmelo Anthony rank all time to you? All time? He's definitely in the top 100 players. I would say anywhere the highest I, could, I would potentially put him is like 50. But I would say 50 and down. That's where I would put him. That's fair because I had a hard time really trying to rank him just because it's like Melo is like – Melo is a great player throughout his career, but he's more of like a street champion. And when I say that, it's in the sense of you have the guys who are conventionally great by everybody's means, like the LeBrons, the MJs, the Kobe's, et cetera. Whereas with Carmelo Anthony – the media slash journalists may not really give him his props, but NBA fans love him. It's kind of like with Michael Vick in the NFL. Nobody is ever going to talk about Michael Vick being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but fans adore him. And that's kind of the sense I get with Melo. So I would agree with you in that top 50 and up range. If we're talking like the last 20 years, I would put him higher, like top 30 to 35 at worst but all time yeah 50 and down is realistic now it does bring upon an interesting debate in terms of he started his career with the Denver Nuggets for a long time was considered one of the greatest Nuggets of all time do you think he is the greatest Nugget ever or do you think that it's Nikola Jokic or possibly someone else um I think he mellows in the top three I think if Nikola Jokic wins the championship, it's him. Yeah. Because he, he'll, he'll, I mean, he'll win the, the team's first championship and he'll be their best player. And I think people forget this name, Alex English. Like, he, he's always been, before Melo, he was the all time great nugget. Yeah. So I think 
he's in that conversation with those two guys. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Melo made the Nuggets fun. Because Alex English in the 80s and 90s was like a really big fixture of that team. But they lacked that star power. They lacked a person who like, oh, I want to watch a Nuggets game. Nobody really totally cared. Because I remember AI was there for a hot second. But I mean, AI was on the tail end of his career. Chauncey Billis was there for a time. But Carmelo Anthony is what made the Nuggets an exciting team to watch. I always think back on that 09 Western Conference Championship uh, between us, the Lakers, I mean, and the Nuggets. And that's one of my all-time favorite series just because we had to work for it. Melo was going blow for blow with Kobe, and unfortunately he just – well, fortunately for us, he just didn't have the pieces around him to help make it happen. But that was one of those moments with Melo that was like, nah, Melo is a dog. Melo is a star. Um, so let's go ahead and kind of continue on with that Nuggets conversation. But Jeff Green, a teammate for both of – Nicole Jokic and Carmelo Anthony said this. I hope they are able to retire both jerseys, Nicola and Carmelo. I know it can be done, and it's deserving for what Melo has done. Melo put them on the map again. Now, that's a bit interesting because because both Melo and Nicole Jokic wear 15. And so how do you think the Nuggets would do that if they wanted to retire Melo's jersey, or do you think that they would just bypass Melo to retire, retire Jokic's jersey? I think they'll end up bypassing Melo um, just because, and I hate to say it, but it's kind of similar to what you said, is like Melo was like the street champion. Like, and another thing is like, for a good chunk of his career, a lot of people remember Melo for being in New York than he than he was in Denver. Even though, in my opinion, he was a way better player in Denver than he was, and he was more he had more accomplishments in Denver than he did in New York. Hundred percent. But that, that's where people remember Melo from. A lot of people remember him from. But I, I mean, they could retire because I mean, if you retire, regardless, you retire in the number, so you can't just throw both their jerseys up there and call it a day. True. Yeah, I um, yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent about him being better in Denver. But if you playing for the Knicks and you have name value, of course, that's going to be part of your legacy. So, reportedly, there's been strong support among some in Madison Square Garden to retire Carmelo's jerseys, number seven jersey. I'm not going to lie to you. Just based on what he did, I don't think they should retire it. But because of who he is, and one could argue he was probably the biggest star to play there in the past 20 years, I think they should. But just based off of accomplishments alone, I don't think they should do it. Yeah. Because, I look, Melo was cool in New York, but he wasn't he wasn't the same mellow, if that makes sense. Like it was a very different player who took the court. And also I didn't forget about Lynn Sanity. Made Carmelo Anthony a total afterthought. That was a wild what ten day stretch with Jeremy Lynn. But all right, let's go ahead and move on. You kinda talked about it a bit with Joe Mazzula and how even depending on how the series goes the team probably does regret letting M.A. Udoka leave. So we've seen a lot of cool head coaches lose their jobs in the NBA this offseason, depending on how their playoffs go. So if 
the let's say the Celtics lose this series, regardless of if it's in six or seven games, do you think that Joe Mazzulla will be the next head coach to lose his job? I'm somewhat torn because it's a part of me that thinks that I could see him, I could see them still keeping him around because it's like, hey, this your first year, you essentially made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, a step away from the, the finals. So we're going to give you an opportunity to grow from next success. But then there's also this part of me that's like, I can see him being let go to be like, hey, we can try to bring in a guy that this has a more um, a more tenured voice, a guy that has some success already attached to his resume, and like go because like again, the talent's there. It's just like you need somebody that's gonna get guys in the position to win, and I think outside of these last two games in the Eastern Conference Finals, Joe Mazzulla didn't do that. I don't think he's going to get fired only because of the May Udoka situation. Like, you just had a coach who, after one year, gets fired. And sure, it's for a totally different reason. But the Celtics have been one of those teams that have kind of been a beacon of stability. They're not a team that's just going to have a million different head coaches and new GMs and things like that. Like, Brad Stevens was there for a long time before he made his transition to the front office. It may seem like he was going to be the guy. That didn't work out. And I think that with Joe Mazzulla, they want to at least give him a bit of a chance. Because a more tenured option could be available, but it's like, who would you go to? You know, like maybe Monty Williams. But even then, I don't really know. I just think that, like I said, just with them being more one of the more stable teams in the league, I have a hard time believing they're just going to jump ship after, like you said, you help bring the team to an Eastern Conference Finals. So I, I'll say this. If they would have got swept, I think I'd lean more towards him getting fired. But as of right now, I don't, I don't really think it's going to happen. But all right, let's go ahead and turn our attention to some – NBA draft rumors. The draft is about a month from now, taking place at the end of June, and there's already been some stirring, starting off with the Houston Rockets. Um, reportedly, um, the Rockets are preparing to make an aggressive push to sign James Harden this summer, and rival uh, executives believe that they will use the fourth overall pick as trade bait to make a significant step forward this upcoming season. Now, whether that be using the fourth overall pick and trading somebody like, you know, Jalen Green, maybe Jabari Smith, Kevin Porter Jr., who knows? But I'll say this. I think that if they bring back James Harden, they may not try to be at the bottom of the Western Conference. Well, as of right now, does it make sense for the Rockets to look to trade that fourth overall pick, or do you think that they should keep it, regardless of what happens with uh, James Harden? think they should keep it just because it's like James Harden is is at the tail end of his career like you bring like just bringing him back isn't and adding some pieces isn't going to make you guys that much better to the point where you're going like being honest if you bring in James Harden like I don't see you guys making it past like the play in yeah in the West. And honestly, without James Harden, 
like the talent that they have, like, let's look at it. I think if they were to do something, I think they should get rid of Kevin Porter Jr. and find a a consistent point guard that's they can play alongside Jalen Green, but you have Jalen Green, you have Jabari Smith, you have um, Singoon, you have Easton. Like, you have a good core of players right there that you can do something with, um, and you can mold them. So I I wouldn't do it because you could also, like, you might not, like, you might not have to get like a super diamond in the rough with these with these peak that you have, but you could draft a really like valuable piece that you could use to um help with this team in the future. Like you could draft a point guard that doesn't necessarily have to come in and be the game changer because you already have a Jalen Green. Right. Uh, so yeah, I would keep it because you can do a lot with that pick. I would keep it too, if not for any other reason, but who's to say you even get James Harden? And like you said, even if you bring James Harden in, I don't see them as a massive threat, especially not this James Harden at this stage of his career. And so because of that, it feels like more of a nostalgia thing as opposed to actually making the team significantly better. And so I think with that fourth overall pick, like you said, you do have some options. You can continue to kind of build up that youth movement and kind of bring in somebody to help elevate this young core and grow with this young core as opposed to essentially just saying, you know what, forget it. We think that we can contend, but I don't think y'all can do that right now because essentially it's just going to be the same situation as it's been with James Harden. But instead of having him be the second guy, you're expecting him to be the number one. And I think those days are long, long over. All right, go ahead. Let's move on to the uh, Portland Trailblazers. And it seems that there has been an interesting debate between not just people in the media and analysts, but Trailblazers fans alike as to what to do with the third overall pick. On the one hand, you can keep it and possibly bring in somebody like Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. On the other hand, you could trade that pick um, and try to bring in somebody to pair with Damian Lillard, or you could just decide to trade Damian Lillard altogether. As of right now, it seems that from the executive's perspective, there's a lot of speculation that the league, around the league that the Blazers could trade the third overall pick and Ephraim Simons for an elite small forward. You and I kind of talked about it, but let's say the Trailblazers do try to go this route and try to pair a small forward with Damian Lillard to try to make them more competitive. Realistically, who do you think would be the best fit? Realistically, I can see like a Paul George. Um, I'm trying to think of elite level small forwards. It's not Paul me. Jo- yeah, Paul George. Um, yeah, I really. That's the only one because like you could go after Kawhi, but then it's like it defeats the purpose because he's not gonna play enough. Um, you can't get like a KD because he's firmly. Yeah, like the only one that I can just think of off the top, like an elite level small forward that might get moved from a deal like that would be PG. Yeah, because I mean the Clippers are in a tough cap situation as is. Personally, you, you, we talked about this off air, but we both said 
at this stage, PG would probably be the better option over Kawhi simply because he's it's likelier that he's going to play. But if I had the option of both of them healthy, I would 100% go Kawhi. And so I would understand if the Clippers did have those conversations, but then it's like, well, what else are you going to do to try to get to the playoffs in the first place? Because sure, if you get Kawhi in the playoffs, you guys should be fine. You guys actually should be really, really good. But how are you going to get there? Because it's already shown that with your current roster, you're not getting there. And so, especially because it seems like they are set on the small forward, it's not many elite-level guys who you could really make that argument for. And so because of that, yeah, Paul George is the only one that kind of makes sense. Um, But continuing on with the Blazers conversation, like I said, there have been conversations with regards to the team trading away Damian Lillard, and that's coming from the fans. Uh, for example, uh, what's today? Damian Lillard addressed these conversations on Twitter. For example, there was a tweet that said, muting all of you that are undervaluing the Blazers' number three overall pick and insisting on trading Dane. What's wrong with you all? You think we suffered this long to go out like that? Goodbye. Damian Lillard then quoted that tweet and said, if the fans want to trade me, start the petition and send it in. Um, another fan retorted with Dame and said, LOL, you ain't low. You want to leave, but trying to get the fans to push you out. To which Dame said, I've been on the same time over a decade. LOL. I'm just saying that the people got different wishes with the shrugging emojis. It's very, I don't think I've ever seen a fan base be so split on what to do with their star player. But, I, I think I have an idea of where you think they should go, but realistically, what should the Trailblazers do with Dane? So, before I answer that question, it's actually funny because, like, I've been hearing more and more people talk about, like, privately, Dame has been, like, saying he wants, like, requesting trades. Yeah. But, but publicly, acting like, oh, I'm just super loyal to Portland. Like, I've heard it from, like, a bunch of different, like, national sports media people, like, recently. Right. Um, what I would do, personally, I would trade Dane. Because it's like, you said, like, unless you're able to, like, pair Dane with, like, a top 10 and up player in the NBA... Like, you've seen how far you can get with Dame as your best player. And that's the Western Conference Finals. And, like, there's not, it's nothing wrong. Like, it's not saying that Dame isn't a great player. But it's also like, hey, at some point, it's like you have to move on. Right now, given the fact that you had a third overall pick, this is, and you have, like, your other young talent on their roster that can develop and, like, without Dane being there, like, this is the perfect chance to be like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and cut our losses and go and go rebuild. So, I would let him go just from the standpoint of, like, yeah, you it's, you've seen it's, let me let me use an analogy for a second. Say you say you and a dude are dating. Y'all been dating for five years. And you at some point you notice that the dude isn't thinking about marriage at all and you want to get married. 
at some point you're gonna have to either say like, hey, I'm gonna just stay with this dude and not get married, or you're gonna have to leave. And I think that's what that's what the trailblazers are. It's like realizing like, hey, even though we won a championship, realizing that we're not gonna be able to get a championship and like either we we stick it out or we just leave. So and I think that is the perfect analogy because in kind of adding to that, Dame is always talking about loyalty and he ain't going nowhere. So in the analogy, the dude could be like, yeah, you know, I love you and I'm going to marry you. But with his friends, he's like, man, I'm not trying to get married. Like, I'm trying to get up out of this. And so honestly, if, even if Dame left, I would not lose any respect for him because, again, you're not gaining anything by staying. You can be one yeah. of the few players who, like, yeah, I stayed my whole career with one team. I don't think that carries much weight anymore. Now, in the case of, like, Bradley Beal and him, where you get a crazy check for it, go off. That's awesome. But Dame is over 30. He's nearing the last days of his prime. Make the most of that time and go somewhere where you can be successful and win. And But how I look at it is I feel like, Dame would have to really be like, I want to get traded. I think if it's left to the uh, Trailblazers, they're going to try to bring in somebody and try to make their team competitive when in truth they really should just go ahead and start this rebuild. I think they're doing themselves a disservice by not. And, like, from the Dame standpoint, like, hey, bro, like, sometimes, to be real, like, sometimes you just got to be the bad guy and, like, make the decision for them and be like, hey, I want out. Like, and... And I don't even. And again, like you stated, if that, if it were to drop on my phone right now, ESPN notification that said Damian Lillard has officially requested a trade from the Portland Trailblazers, I would not be. I would not be upset, dude. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, ah, oh, Damian will sell out. None of that. I'd be like, you know what, bro? You were there for what? He's been there for ten years, I think, yeah. maybe longer. And giving them all that he could, he took them to the Western Conference Finals. And like you ran, you ran it back multiple times. Now you're trying to go somewhere to, to win, and like get on a, a championship caliber team, and nobody will be upset at you about that. Yeah, and so I mean, at this point, and if you are the Trailblazers, why are you upset? Like a Trailblazers fan, what have y'all really done since trading CJ McCollum to get this man help? Nothing. So, nah, I don't think that – I really don't think it'd be a bad guy situation. I don't think it'd be a I'm taking my talents to South Beach type of deal. Like, bro's been there for over a decade. He's had a terrific career. But it seems like both parties have gone as far as they can go with one another. It's time to cut your losses. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on um, to Jamal Murray. We talked about, We said we were going to talk about him in a bit, and now we are getting to it. Following a great series against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals and the lack of media attention that came thereafter, Jamal Murray called out the media and essentially said, I don't think I get enough respect as I should be. I'm better than a lot of players in the league. Every time I see rankings of guys, I think, man, that is crazy. Maybe it's because I have been out of for so long, but if we win the chip, it changes everything. Jamal Murray absolutely has been balling out this season, to his credit, and I agree. The Denver Nuggets do not get the media attention that they rightfully deserve. But does that mean Jamal Murray should be ranked that high in terms of NBA player rankings? 
Not necessarily. I think he's top 20 right now, which is very respectable, but I don't think I could go no higher. Mm, I, I would say I think he's at least top 30. I can't get him top 20. Because I think I can name 20 players that I think are better than Jamal Murray off the top of my head. All right, bet. I could too, but all right, let's go. If you want to give your list. All right. Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, John Morant, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, uh, trying to think, trying LeBron, LeBron, Giannis, uh, Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards, um, how many is that? That's 11. That's 12. I would honestly say Jalen Brunson at this moment. Yeah, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell. Um, would you say Bam Adebayo? Nah, I'd say they like even. I would uh, say Luka. Luka? I forgot about Luka because I don't like Luka. Uh, Trey Young. That's 16. Uh... Let's see. I don't think you said Kyrie. I would take Kyrie over Jamal Murray. Yeah, Kyrie. Um, Damian Lillard. That's 18. Dang. Zion, when healthy. 19. Uh, did we say Kawhi? I don't think so. That's 20. But yeah, Kawhi when healthy. So yeah, yeah. I would get these top 30. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But, yeah, I think I, I would agree with him that him being out for a while did hurt him. But I don't think he, if the Nuggets were to win a championship, I don't think that changes how the media views him because it's not his team. If anything, Nikola Jokic is going to get a lot more pop in terms of the best player in the league as opposed to him getting it. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Like, if the Nuggets, I, I'm going to be honest, I hate to say it this way, if the Heat win, I think it's a foregone conclusion that the Nuggets are going to win. Um, just because the Heat doesn't have the overall talent to compete with the Nuggets. But, like, when they, if they win, um, like, it's definitely going to be tossed about. Because, I mean, even right now in the current state of the playoffs, like, I've heard more people say Nikola Jokic might actually be the best player in the NBA than I have at any other point. I would say, yeah, I mean, right now it's like when we're talking the best player in the playoffs, it's been more Jimmy Butler than anything. But Nikola Jokic has not been that far behind. If he adds a ring to it, I don't know if I would say he was the best player in the league, but he's definitely like at worst top five. Oh, yeah. Which I mean, again, very very respectable, especially considering how many players are in the league and how many talented players are in the league. But let's go on and move on to our game, Believe Lord Buffoonery. And speaking of talented players in the league, 
there was a lot of speculation earlier this week that we may be losing one of them in LeBron James. Following the sweep against the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, LeBron talked about his future and said, I got a lot to think about. Just personally with me moving forward with the game of basketball, I got a lot to think about. Then it was added um, with regards to his aspiration to play with his son, Bronny, who will be in the league in a couple years. He said, I've done what I've had to do in this league, and my son is going to take his journey and whatever and however his journey lays out. He's going to do what's best for him, his dad, mom, sister, and brother, and we're going to support him. So just because that's my goal, that doesn't mean it's his, and I'm absolutely okay with that, which, I mean, I'm happy that he said that because I don't think he should play with Bronny in the first place. But, of course, that story completely overtook the Nuggets winning the Western Conference Finals and turned into a media firestorm. Now, though it seems that those thoughts have kind of calmed down a bit. Just for the sake of conversation, believable or buffoonery, LeBron James will retire this offseason. I think it's buffoonery. I think I think he took a tough loss. Like he no one wants to get swept. But when you're a player of LeBron's magnitude, that's been to the finals that had been to the finals for ten straight years in his in his career. Being swept in the Western Conference Finals was a blow that he's never felt before. Right. So I don't think he'll retire. I just think he'll go. He'll probably end up having to get surgery, and he'll come back. He'll be better, but he he won't like it. Won't be a significant difference. How I look at it is, I don't think he's going to go. If anything, I think it's more so. LeBron James is a very smart man. And I think that in saying stuff like this, it has the Lakers on edge like, what if what's the future going to look like without LeBron? Because he did sign a two-year contract extension this year worth 97 mil, which is another reason why I highly doubt he's going to retire. I'm not going to miss out on no $100 million. Um, but also, if you're the Lakers, you're like, well, dang, if LeBron retires, does that mean AD is the guy? And if this playoffs didn't show you anything, it's that Anthony Davis is not to be trusted as the team's alpha male. And so I'm sure Rob Palenka and Jeannie Buss are blowing his phone up. Okay, LeBron, what do you want to do? What can we do to make you happy and make you want to stay here and keep playing? And I think that him saying that was more of a calculated, I want to see some changes happen with this roster because, like I said earlier, right now, what they have is good, but it's not enough. And I think that him talking about retirement is going to have the front office trying to cater to him to try to get him to stay. In essence, make some moves to fix the roster to his liking, which we've already seen can sometimes be a good thing and other times can be a bad thing, a la the Lakers of last season when we were just old. And so I'm not buying he's going to retire. Like I said, I just think it was more of a business move than anything. But keeping things in the Western Conference Final, another team that is used to having a lot of final success, the San Antonio Spurs. They have not been there since, I believe, that was, what, 2017, 2016 or 17 when they won? Yeah, I think so. Right. And so, however... There is a lot of enthusiasm around the team right now as they won the NBA draft lottery and are expected to drive to draft Victor Wembanyama um, out of France, and he is going to be the next great Spurs big man. As much as the excitement has grown, Chuck Barkley kind of put some cold water on that fire and said, 
they're probably gonna be the third best team in Texas just in Texas which is funny but believable or buffoonery even with Wimby the Spurs are still the worst team in Texas I think it's believable uh I do too I actually think yeah cause I don't know that'll be hard cause obviously the number one is Dallas right. at least for the time but like if you look at if you look at the Spurs roster when they weren't actually trying to tank, like in the beginning of the season, they have some really good competent players. Like Trey Jones is a good starting level point guard. Devin Vassell is a good shooting guard. Kelvin Johnson, he can be a good power forward or small forward. And then you throw Wimby in. You can have a, core, a young core that can basically have the same level of talent as the Rockets. So, I'm going to say buffoonery, just because if Wimbyama comes in and he is like a generational talent, I think with what they already have in place, they could put them slightly above the Rockets. Yeah, I think, I'll say this, I expect the Rockets, even not including James Harden, I expect them to be more active in free agency than the Spurs and so I think that with their current young core and whoever they potentially add this offseason I would feel more comfortable going in with that roster overall than what the Spurs have because that's putting a lot on Wimby to still be the second best team in the state and then you still got to deal with every other team in the Western Conference so I'm going to say believable but I think the Spurs will be much better than they were this year, but not better than anybody else in Texas. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Nikola Jokic, another seemingly generational talent at big man. I mean, just made it to his first NBA Finals with the Nuggets, was named the Western Conference Finals MVP, named after Magic Johnson, which naturally and it's gotten a lot of people to talking about his success coming from coming to the league from Serbia as a former second round pick and as everyone likes to mention got drafted and instead of showing his draft status the NBA showed a Taco Bell commercial um leading one fan to tweet there will never be a greater underdog story than two-time MVP Nikola Jokic believable or buffoonery uh I'm going to say buffoonery because I still think Giannis' story is better than Nikola's. I agree. I feel like if Jokic wins a ring, that would strengthen his argument. But as of right now, I'm still, yeah, I would go Giannis as well. I feel like just, especially not even just basketball-wise, but all the adversity he had to go through. And let's be honest, the Bucks teams he have had have been rough since the start of his career and then leading into a championship, first one in 50 years. Yeah, I'm going Giannis as well. All right, a couple more pieces before we get out of here. 
um, starting off with the league apparently deciding to make things different or thinking about making things different to their All-Star Weekend, more specifically to the All-Star Game. For the last few years, it has been captains, and the captains would pick their squad. However, there have been talks that the league is considering going back to the Eastern versus Western Conference format. Believable or buffoonery, the NBA should do that. Believable, because the captain thing is, like, I get the sentiment of, like, I would want to have, like, the playground, but it doesn't, it, it just goes to east and west, bro. It don't matter. <laughs> yeah, at first it was cool. You know, it was something different, but now it's kind of like, we're not really getting much out of it, because y'all don't care. I feel like at least with Eastern versus Western Conference, there was some pride in it to show which conference was better. Yeah. This now is just kind of it's cheesy. Yes, and not fun. But I last question, like we did with the NFL, believe Barbara Funery. This is going to be a would you rather? Um, we kind of talked about it a bit with the Lakers and front office upcoming decisions, particularly a point guard. And it seems like right now there are three viable options. For example, they could decide to keep D'Angelo Russell, who was slated to be a free agent this offseason. Kyrie Irving, who is also going to be a free agent, has familiarity with LeBron James, has had a lot of success with playing LeBron James. And it's no telling what he is going to end up doing with the Dallas Mavericks. So he's also an option. And then it was reported that the Lakers have reportedly had internal discussions about a hypothetical summer trade proposals for Trey Young. So, Ethan, you and Rob Palenka, what are you doing at point guard? Trading for Trey Young, signing Kyrie Irving, or keeping D-Lo? I'm definitely not keeping D-Lo because yeah. when you need it, when you needed him most, he disappeared like the Avatar. No, uh, I almost said that. I'm gonna be real. I know it's a big headache, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Kyrie. He has familiarity with LeBron. He's in this like he's been in this constant state of like, hey, I'm trying to land with another megastar to win and it just hasn't worked out and like in the case of Trae Young like I just don't think he, like him and AD and LeBron like it just doesn't sound it just it, it just sounds icky yeah and that's excluding LeBron AD and Trey Young are two of the most hot and cold players in the NBA right now and not to say, I told you this, it's not like Kyrie Irving is exactly Mr. Reliable either. But I trust him. He's more consistent when he does play than Trey Young is. And I feel like for Trey, he's been the guy in Atlanta since he got drafted. And then you come to L.A. and you're the third best player. Uh... There are some players whose egos I don't think could handle that, and I think he's somebody whose ego probably couldn't handle that. So of the three, I would go Kyrie as well. But all right, let's let's go ahead and move on to WWE. But before we do, because we'll probably record our next week's episode after the start of the NBA Finals, who you got and in how many games? It's 
Misfits, Nuggets and Heat. I had as much as it pains me to say, I have Nuggets, and I'll probably say like five. Okay. I just think it's, I just think it's a really really big overall talent gap um, between the Nuggets and the Heat. If it's if it's Boston, I still think it's Nuggets, but I will say I'll probably get them like six or seven. I've been on. I said that the Heat were going to win this series, and I'm standing on that. But against the Nuggets, as much as I would love to say I think the Heat are going to win, I want them to win a ring. The powers of Jimmy Butler can only go so far. And like you said, the Nuggets are a supremely better team. And so because of that, I would say Nuggets in six. But if I'm wrong about the Heat and the Celtics go, I think I'm going to say Nuggets in seven. But I'm hoping that Jimmy Butler continues to prove everybody wrong and Eric Spolster gets his team a championship. But we shall see how it all shakes out. And now joined by my embryo, my embryo, bro, my embryo. How you doing? How you doing? A.K. Chris oh, Waters, no. but y'all know I don't ever call him that. Hi, Embryo. Oh, 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 they know my name. As long as they know my name, you got to introduce me with my name. Okay, but I'm happy songs. to be here. You said bye. <laughs> that was a good one. I know. That was- now, you, you talked about how you were really excited for the Backlash card. I'm high-key excited for this year's. Like, this Night of Champions card is actually kind of sick. It is. It is sick. It is sick. That's it. Come on, I need I need more energy from you, amigo. You need more energy. You need more energy. You need me to give you more energy. I give you more energy. Thank this you. card is gonna be one of the best night of champion cards we have ever seen, and I'm so excited to get there because it's gonna be a new crown champion. I am so excited, and I can't wait to watch. There we go. See, look at you finally giving me the enthusiasm that I need. You so you ready to get started? I'm going to start off with an easy one. It's a layup. It's the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship. We have Rhea Ripley defending her title against Natalya. Obviously, Rhea is going to win. Obviously. Obviously. I I will bet all my rent money for Rhea Ripley. What if, but for the gag, what (laughs) what if she did lose? That'd be insane. If she lost, I will be moving in with you. You coming up to Iowa? I'm coming out to Iowa. Look, I, I can't. I, look, I didn't spend all my rent money. I'm coming. I'm coming down there to you. Okay. Well, technically, you be coming up, but I got you. You knew what I meant. Did I? You did probably I mean? did. You probably did. I probably. You know, I probably did. All right. Uh, yeah, we're in agreement on that. All right. Now moving on to the Intercontinental Championship match, we have Gunther defending his title against Mustafa Ali. I think this match is absolutely going to be a banger. I'm very happy for Mustafa to get this opportunity, but I'm definitely going Gunther. Um, it's only going to be a banger if they get enough time, which I think they will get time for it. So I'm with you. It's going to be a banger. Um, definitely Gunther. Uh, he's not losing it to to Mustafa. He's not. Yeah, and in the words of uh, Broccoli, did you watch Raw at all last night? Uh, no, I was at work getting that money. Oh, so they changed your schedule? Nah, I'm just doing some overtime. Okay, gotcha. We'll get. We'll talk about that later. Okay, party like a rock and a star. Um, well, <laughs> in, 
while uh, Mustafa was having a little promo, it was funny because Brock Lesnar comes in as my man's is so passionate, and Brock Lesnar's like, "Get a life, kid," and just just craft on this poor man's expectations and excitement. <laughs> but it was funny. But yeah, we both are in agreement. All right, moving on to Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. I'm actually pretty excited for this match. You already know I don't totally love when they bring back veterans to like go up against new new superstars. But this one I'm with, especially because I love Mia Hill, Trish Stratus. Um, but with that being said, I got Becky. I don't know. This is a tough one. You can go either way, depending on how long they want this to keep going. I'm going to go Trish. Wow. Okay. And here it is right here, folks. Look, we don't look. This is going to choose who wins, who wins or lose this card. Yeah, pretty much. But I mean, okay. I, I wouldn't be mad if Trish won, but it's. I think they're going to extend it some kind of way. Because I'll say this if Trish wins, she's not going to win clean. Exactly. And that's where I'm going with I don't think she's going to win clean. I, I'm not mad at it. I'm good. Especially, I mean, because Becky brought up her barking like a dog. I mean, low-key. I can't let that slide if I'm Trish Stratton. <laughs> <But laughs> we should have left that dead and buried. Hey, but, like, I'm scared about it because I'm sticking with Trish, but I'm scared because Becky just got back, and I don't – it would be crazy if she came back just to lose. But I'm, I'm still picking Trish. I feel like they're going to try to prolong this. I mean, they could still prolong it and have Becky win unless they want to, like, set up Becky versus Rhea at SummerSlam. Yeah, that's possible. Which, to be honest, she's the only real option for SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but that also comes with, hey, build up a new star. You know, build build somebody up so we can uh, have a – I mean, they have great wrestlers, so they can I, figure something out. I could see that more at Money in the Bank than SummerSlam. Typically at SummerSlam, that's like the the big. Yeah. And so I think it's either going to be SummerSlam or WrestleMania when we see Rhea versus Becky. Either way, it should be a good match. Um, All right, let's go ahead and keep things on the women's side. And we have the Raw Women's Championship. They need to switch those titles, by the way. Uh, We have Bianca Belair taking on Asuka. And look, you already not gonna spit on my face in my face one time, but to do it twice, I gotta kick your ass. So <laughs> Bianca is obviously going to win, and I'm sh- I hope they get the time to make this match as good, if not better, than the one they had at WrestleMania because that was a great match. All right, we got another one, folks. I'm going with Oscar. Really? Okay. Why? I'm going with Oscar because she uh, they had a they had a great match at WrestleMania mm-hmm. and she lost. And I'm one of them people where, which it doesn't happen all the time, but I'm one of them people where, hey, you're going through this heel change, you, you turn heel, now what you're going to show me, like, what is it going to give you, just another loss? And I'm at the point where I feel like, you know, <clears throat> story-wise, they, they just, Bianca, she puts on great matches, but it's just like, give her a great story. And I feel like sometimes it's like they write her better stories when she's going after the championship. But, Hey, Bianca win, I'm not going to be mad, but I'm picking Oscar because, hey, Oscar, it's time for you to be back on top. I, they, since she has moved up from NXT, they have not booked one, and I do mean one good Oscar sole singles championship run. 
They've all been bad. And under Triple H, I would like to think that would be different. I really, really do. But in the mean in between time, nah. Go ahead and I'm I'm rocking with Bianca. And plus because Night of Champions, the card is great and all, but is Night of Champions a big enough card for Bianca to lose her title at? Uh, I'm going to say... No, but the only way you can make it bigger is by making it happen, right? And it's already kind of a big um, pay-per-view uh, uh, right now because they're going to crown a new world heavyweight champion. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. I wouldn't be shocked if the EST still won because you still have the well. Uh, is Charlotte injured? Charlotte's on break. She's at, Apparently she's filming a movie. Okay, just like Seth. Seth is also filming a movie right now, too. That's why I... Uh, but, um... Uh, I can see them. If she holds it, I can definitely see hey, they waiting to put her versus Charlotte. But um, To which, sign me up. Oh, yeah. Sign me up, too. Look, sign nah, me nah, up. No, 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 no. You can't have it. And you want to know why you can't have it? Because you why? consistently pick against the EST. Don't think I haven't no, noticed. I don't. No, I don't. You picked against her at WrestleMania. You talk like I pick against her every card. I do You've not. been picking against her pretty frequently. Okay, WrestleMania, I chose Oscar. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Backlash, I chose the ESC. Did and now you? this time I'm choosing Oscar again. So uh, it's only Oscar that I've chosen. So, in other words, the last two out of three. Yeah, the last two out of three. That's not bad. You AK, 66% of the time you pick it against the ESC. Well, you should be happy that I'm doing that because that helps you get a win. I mean, I was going to win anyway. So you need to be you need to be happy with what you get. I was gonna win anyway. So. You're being ungrateful right now, and I really don't appreciate. it. I was gonna win anyway. You know what? <laughs> when I get invited to kick it with Bianca and Montez and Angelo Dawkins, you're not invited, okay? That's fine. That's fine. That's that's, that's perfectly fine. I'm gonna go chill with the Almighty Bobby Lashley MVP. That's what I'm gonna go do. Mm, I bet you are. Yeah. Or Selena Vega. I'm gonna go to the. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go chill with the uh, LWO. L- uh, that that sounds L-W-O. fun. You do that. And when Aleister Black just sitting there daring you <laughs> to do anything, let me know how to work out for your partner. Well, I'm just going to chill with Oscar. How about that? You know what? Sasha Banks just got injured. Sasha Banks is I married. Go, I'm just going to chill with her. Her husband taking care of her. She don't need you. He got to go to work. I, I, no, I he don't. WWE, they got plenty of gear. They be all right. They're not even in WWE. They in New Japan. I don't know what New Japan. No, his wife. I mean, I'm sorry. Her husband makes gear for wrestlers. WWE wrestlers. You know that? Okay. okay. I I knew he made gear. I didn't know like it was specific to WWE. It's still so crazy. That's her husband. I'm gonna leave that right there. Um. All right. You know, I'm just there. I'm just there to help out. You know, I believe in marriages. I'm not gonna ruin a marriage. Uh I wouldn't. Uh huh. Anyway. Cody Rose versus Brock Lesnar. I got Brock. Um, I think that they're kind of booking it up to be like, yeah, Cody is fighting and he's resilient, but his arm is possibly broken. Brock is going to key in on that, and he's going to get the dub, tie the uh, tie their matches, and lead to a banger of a third match. Loki, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Cody got squashed. I'm not going to lie to you. I am going with Brock Lesnar as well. Oh, look at us in and, agreement. Um, right? This is so wild, isn't it? Um, I know they keep trying to push with Cody, finishing the story, but at the same time, I feel like 
they really try to make Brock this gatekeeper for him to get there. And I feel like, like just like you, I feel like Brock is going to come out, probably squash him, and then at least to a banger of a third match. And I'm good with that, probably at SummerSlam. Because yeah, I wouldn't be shocked so. if uh, Cody was in the Money in the Bank match. Yep. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the Unified Tag Team Championship match. We have Kevin Owens oh. and Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. This is tough right here. Dude. No, like, it's this, not. This was out of the left field. It's I did not. not to, it, it was very random because that I think that was the promo I texted you. I was like, I love Roman, but Roman would have to see me because he was talking to the Usos so disrespectfully and crazy. Um, was, I actually watched it. I watched the promo afterwards. Yeah, yeah. With that being said, though, I'm picking Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn because I think the Usos, like this past SmackDown, the Usos came in trying to help. Roman didn't ask for their help. Check them, and I think it's gonna be another situation of that. It cost them the match, and then they gotta get it. They they gonna get whooped like a kid, like a little baby who stole some something. It's gonna be ugly. I agree. I'm going with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, but um, I feel like something probably is gonna happen this Friday, and I actually feel like the Usos are gonna come down and actually like help Kevin Owens and the Sami Zayn out. Maybe super kick Roman or something like just tired of his crap. I think they're going to turn on him before okay. he turns on them because they probably see it coming out already. So I feel like the Usos are going to cost Roman Reigns and um, Solo uh, the match. And I feel like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are going to win. Agreed. It's just a matter of how are they going to cost them. Yeah. Look at, oh my gosh, look at this in agreement. I'm so proud of it. It might be Jimmy that does it because if you would think Jay, but Roman really been jumping at Jimmy's head for a while. Yeah, like that whole little face mask you just did to me a few weeks ago. Nah, I can't let that stand. I can't let that go. Can't let it go. I agree. I, I can't. I'm sorry. Especially because you was walking around with a shirt that said nobody's bitch for like a few months. <laughs> Remind everybody, Jimmy. Show your beautiful, amazing wife, Trinity, aka for y'all noobs, Naomi. You still ain't nobody's business. You, you the man. Don't let Roman fool you. You the man around here. Embryo. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I'm surprised you didn't say nothing thirsty about Naomi, aka Trinity. Have I ever said anything thirsty about Naomi? Yes, you have. <laughs> What am I saying thirsty about Naomi? Something that can probably should not be stated on this show. Well, was I drunk? I don't think so. No, because I'm... <laughs> no, because no, so. we definitely have talked about this on Beale Street. Well, we're moving on, but... Yeah, you said Beale Street. Yeah, there probably was liquor involved. Nah, nah. Not, not much. Not much. Okay, moving on. Uh... Last but certainly not least, <laughs> we have the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament Final to the crown. The first World Heavyweight Champion since 2013 when Randy Orton oh. held it before Johnny Boy Cena defeated him to, to combine the WWE and World Heavyweight Champions. And in this match, as everybody knows if you're listening to this, it is Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles. While I don't want to go against my birthday twin with our birthday coming up so soon, it's got to be Seth. Seth has to be the inaugural champion. You know what? I was going to... Uh, I want to say Seth as well. I've been saying that for the longest. But just like 
would it just be a huge twist if AJ won? Like, and, you know, I can't really put nothing past Triple H because I was positive Cody Rose was going to win at WrestleMania and he let Roman win. And it's just like, what's off the table? I'm still going to, I'm with you. I'm going to still choose Seth, but I I wasn't I would be super shocked if they shocked us all or try to shock us all and have AJ walk out with it. Not to be that person, but I don't think it makes sense for AJ to win. I agree cuz he's even on SmackDown, but that would be the twist. Like if yeah, cuz like if he was on SmackDown that means he's going to Raw, right? Like he would have Yeah, to- yeah, like I say it would be weird. I agree with you, but I wouldn't be shocked with the twist. Because everybody's expected to be self. Everybody's most most likely everybody. Ninety five percent of people are thinking it's going to be self. It is like going to let us have. Are we? Are they just going to do it, or are they going to make a twist? Because it it should be self. Like it should. Cody Rhodes should be champion right now, but Roman is still. I disagree with that. I act. I a hundred percent disagree with that. And this is a side tangent. Taking away my love for Roman Reigns. But I think that you know how the, the WWE Universe is when it comes to faces. In the moment, it would be an amazing moment for him to win the championship. But you can't have him feud with Roman forever. And then what realistic feud can you have that is going to kind of build up the majesty of the one that we have? we had with him and Roman. Then you still have the question of, well, are you going to split the titles? Is he going to be on back-to-back brands? I just think that right now, it's better to have Roman because you still have a story to tell with the bloodline. And then with Cody, you can kind of like build him back up because now it's not like, oh, he wins the Rumble. He has these great promos. Oh, he wins the title. It's gone. Now he's been through some adversity, and so he has to build himself back up to get it, which I think is going to make it sweeter whenever he inevitably does win the title. So I get where you're coming from with that. I don't think he'll, I don't, the momentum he had, I don't think he's going to get all that momentum back. He had so much momentum at WrestleMania. And now, granted, I get where you're coming from uh, with the storyline with him, but think about it this way, even if they want to split the titles and do the tournament and whatnot, when they did the brand split, he could have still had a banger with, what, AJ Styles, he still got Sheamus, they put Bobby Lashley over there. He would have had a way to build himself up. But But he would be the only champion. He would be. I feel like if he won, they still would have did the same thing. What they're doing now. I disagree because literally how it was phrased by Triple H, like this is the workhorse championship. This is the championship for the one who's like always gonna be there because he essentially, in not so many words, Roman Reigns is holding those championships hostage in the sense of who can you take use to take those belts off of Roman that makes sense, that are feasible. Cody, it seems like it's feasible. Yeah, sure, that would be the easy way to go. But who's to say at this point now, let's say he's done feuding with Roman. Who's going to say that he has that same momentum? Who's going to say people are still behind him as much as they are now than if he was actually champion? Because now it gets something people to look forward to because it will be too predictable to have him win. Well, with that being said, it's too predictable to have self win, right? Yeah, but it's a totally different situation. 
Because real and this nothing against AJ Styles. AJ Styles is great, but he's coming off of a serious injury. He's also in his mid to late forties. How much longer is he actually going to be able to go? And not only go, but go at this level. Then you factor in he's on SmackDown, so what are you going to have him do? Just compete against SmackDown superstars? Because Triple H already said the champion of that brand is going to be the champion of that brand. Roman is staying on SmackDown. He's not coming back to Raw. And so essentially you're having both titles on SmackDown, which kind of continues the same issue that we've already had on Raw. So it don't want to make sense. Yeah, I feel like if he did win, they, they'll just make him go to Raw. He's Raw champion. You know, yeah, but Raw then what do you do with the rest of the OC? Because they were drafted as a collective. I mean, I mean, hey, look, that's a good question. I mean, look, we don't get paid the big bucks to handle that, all right? If we got paid the big bucks to handle that, we will handle that. You know that we'll be in the boardroom, sitting down, I have my coffee, yeah. you will have your um, Mountain Dew. Jose Cuevo, and we'll figure this out. You know I don't drink Jose that much. Now, a Mountain Dew, yes. I drink me a Mountain Dew, but Jose, man. Actually, yeah, I actually don't remember the last yeah. time I had Jose, honestly. Probably when I was Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't drink that often. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, I just, I don't think, I still stand on, again, not even factoring in my fandom of Roman. I think looking back, it was the right choice. I'm interested to see what they do with Cody. Because even if Seth wins, it still makes more sense for Cody to beat Roman. Because that, quote-unquote, completes the story. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, I agree with you. It's still the story. He has to be Roman in my personal opinion. Yeah, he has to be Roman. At the same time, I mean, if Seth wins, it's history with him and Seth as well. Because he had bangers with Seth. Yeah, but he beat Seth three straight times. He beat Seth all three times. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, it's like... Did Seth win the war? Because you got injured and he laughed at you and hurt you even more. No. So, you know, not like, really, because like, I still like, lost. And in the words of the great Montez Ford, is this the same Seth Rollins who lost to Cody Rhodes with one booby? Like, <laughs> I still would <laughs> hey, say Cody First of all, let me just tell Montez Ford, can Seth actually ever lose? It doesn't matter if Seth lose or win. He's Seth freaking Rollins. It doesn't even matter. But even point. still, I think Cody still came out looking better in that feud. Because then, no, he, 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 the, he, him getting hurt adds to the majesty of it. Because it's building up that anticipation. Like, man, Cody went out with a banger. Cody went out. He came out with that torn peck. He's gone for the next few months. Fans are clamoring for him to come back. Cody 100% won that feud. No, he did. He did. I just, I just, I like the ending when he was walking out. Like I'll be back and stuff. Like attacked him and laughed. I was like, even after three losses, up, he's still the one laughing on top. Yeah, but he's not gonna do it now because he's a face. He's not a heel anymore. Who, Seth? Yeah, he's not a heel anymore. I think Seth is just in that middle thing where he's not a heel. He still does heelish things if he wants. Like what? He hasn't done anything heel really since what Mania. And I don't know if you consider that heel-like material. No, I'm just, no, I'm just saying if he wanted to do something heel, he could. Like, kind of how Randy was. No, Randy was a heel. Randy is No, I'm talking, about, like, I'm, talking, I'm talking about Randy like when he was with, like, um, RK, bro. He didn't really do nothing with RK, bro. Everybody was expecting him to turn on Matt Riddle, because he should have. But I see the hearing right there. But he would really I'm just saying, like, like if, if, if I saw Seth Rollins do a low blow in a match, I'd just be like, yeah, that's something Rollins. I wouldn't look at it as being a heel. He just, I think he got to that point where 
he just does he can do whatever he wants really and it doesn't matter i just don't i don't see him as a heel anymore and so that's why it's like we've seen heel seth rollins this ain't a heel I'll say this, it's more uh, baby I, I, face I do, than heel. I do, I, do, I do believe he's more face than heel. I mean, I, I just, every time I see something, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. I just look at stuff like this, this stuff while I was, you know, I'm happy he's there. <laughs> so, but yeah, so we're both in agreement on Sethiel Rollins. All right, tiebreaker, even though I don't think we're going to need one, but just in case, this upcoming Monday night, there will be a fatal four-way match to determine the new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. And unfortunately, you and I were not invited to compete in said match. So, that's wild. I know, so disrespectful. So instead, our t- tiebreaker will be who we believe is going to win the match. Right now, in the match is going to be Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville, uh, Bailey and EO Sky. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart, I'm sorry, I think they got rid of the Blackheart, but get over it. I'm still gonna say it. And Raquel Rodriguez, is she Rodriguez? I don't remember what her new last name is. Honestly, blank, whatever. And then we have Ratface Ronda and Sean Shonda. Oh my gosh, and Shayna Baszler. Unfortunately, I'm going Ratface and Shayna. I think they're gonna win. Facts, facts. They're gonna win. We all see this coming a mile away. If Ronda wasn't injured, they would have already been champions. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Yes. So they're back now, and they're going to be champions. I know you don't really like it, but I just hope. Well, I, th- I feel like they was doing a pretty good with Liv and um, Raquel. At least they, they were showing the title um, every week just about, and I was loving to see that. They was having matches. So I'm like, at least they're showing the women tag team titles. No. So hopefully they can same thing. Yes, I agree, because this was – Probably the best promotion of those titles since yes, Sasha and Bailey. I agree with you. Yep. Yeah, and which sucks because I damage control had potential, but they just had the same match and always lost. All right, so we both agree oh, about oh. Ratface and Shayna, but who takes the loss? Oh, um, I'm sorry. Just one quick note. No, I already forgot what you just said. Uh, I'm gonna go with Shotzi. I feel like Shotzi is gonna probably get in the arm bar or and tap. Oh yeah, that's what I meant to tell you. The only thing they messed up um damage control is they kept losing to the EST, which is not a problem. It's just like stop put them in a different feud because she's just beating the crap out of all them. Especially the last match. She beat all three of them by herself. That ruined them after that. Like put them somewhere else. But um What you talking about? Uh, you talking kept- about the one on one match with Bailey? Well, yeah, I'm saying even when she had the one-on-one matches with Bailey, Devil's Control will try to come out and cheat for Bailey, and she'll be up and beat up all three of them. I mean, they should have minded their business. Uh, no, listen, I agree, but I'm saying if you try to make a faction... No, 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 I totally understand. Don't, don't, yeah, don't put them against her, especially if you got to have her win, because I was like, if they keep making her go against Bailey and they the tag team champions, I guess Bailey's about to win so they can hold all the belts. But that wasn't the plan. Okay, cool. And what you're not Lost the time. They even lost in the freaking War Games match. I was like, okay, I'm done with them going against Bianca. But that was at least a good match. Okay, I'm I'm gonna say something that great match, great match. I'm gonna say something that's kind of controversial. I don't care. Y'all can fight me about it. I would take Bianca and Io's match for the championship over any match Bianca has had with Bailey. Oh, hands down. Any, yeah. I I like Bailey as a character, wrestler wise, to be. I don't think Bailey's that great. 
she's not she she's the, yeah she's not that great to me in my personal opinion but i do like her like you know um i like her character especially like you know when she was with sasha and all that i liked her as the uh as a character but as a wrestler no she's not a great wrestler in my opinion just like i said it with becky becky's not a great wrestler to me yeah but honestly, i like becky's character now please but, uh, nobody get twisted them takeover matches against sasha chef's kiss work of art but there is no other Bailey match that does not include Sasha Banks. Or I'm like, yo, that match was amazing. At least with Becky, there's multiple matches where I could be like, yo, this this match goes crazy. Yeah, but you know, she also had matches with Charlotte, and that's uh, well, I mean, you know, just Charlotte. What else can I say with that? But uh, I mean, that, you know, I, 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 wait, who are you talking about, Bailey or Becky? Matches with Bianca. I was talking about Becky. Okay. And her, her matches with uh, um, um, you know, I, I could go on. Becky has more. Yeah. Good matches yeah, than, uh, than uh, Bailey. But uh, I'm with you. EO Sky, that match with. EO Sky is already talented to begin with, but that match with her and Bianca, yes, that was, a, that was a good match. I was watching it, some of the near falls. I was like, man, this is a good match. And it, the crowd was amazing, too. So it was just, it was great. I Because I, I would argue that EO is a top five women's wrestler in the business right now. I think she's a better wrestler overall than Bianca Belair. And I love Bianca, but in uh, ring, I feel like it's close. I feel like I'm not saying it's like a major difference, but EO yeah. is amazing. EO EO is in that same group with Sasha, Charlotte, um, Oscar. In my opinion, I like Oscar. Yeah, I um, wouldn't. Um, in terms Bianca, of in ring performers, I wouldn't put. I would put Bianca like in the next group. Yeah, in terms of in ring, like I even like. The, uh, I can't think of her name right now. What's the other lady in Damage Control? Oh, Dakota Kai um, goes crazy. Dakota Kai I like is Dakota great. Kai. I like it. Yeah, I didn't really know much about Dakota Kai, but I definitely it was on Raw. She was having a match with um Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae is amazing too. And they had a match on Raw. They had they got time. They actually got like yeah, nice I know time. exactly what match. And it was about. a that was a great match. I was sitting there watching like, oh my gosh, no, this is on Raw. Yo. <laughs> nah, for anybody who don't know how cold blooded Dakota Kai is, just go watch NXT. Her matches with Tegan Knox. You know, I didn't watch NXT like that. Black and Gold NXT was my favorite brand of wrestling for a minute. Oh, yeah, you didn't tell me. I saw she came out with Damage Control. You know, she did stuff with Damage Control. I liked her tag team matches with her, you know, with EO. They had nice matches. When I saw her one-on-one match with Candice LeRae, I was like, oh, my gosh. Bangers. Nothing but bangers. It was... Yeah, I, I saw that. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I'm like, "Man, I've been sleeping." <laughs> Big sleep. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, like, again, like, there's some the women, like, especially like on NXT, who've been called up from NXT. It's like, just, just go see what they can do. Like, yeah. if you on um, Raw and SmackDown, you may not really get a total glimpse of it. You go watch it NXT, you just get so excited. That's why, like, EO, I firmly believe in the WWE. She's top five right now. Well, I, I got a question for you, real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, Control, are they on SmackDown? They're on SmackDown. Well, I got. I ain't gonna lie to you. I definitely need Oscar to win the championship now because I want to see her go one on one with EO for the belts. I want to see them go. Honestly, I thought that was gonna happen at WrestleMania because uh, I don't think we still have gotten that match. I would love that match. Please sign me up. Or Fatal, or or Triple Threat. Her, Oscar, EO, and the EST. If you want to talk multi women matches. I was it a triple threat or a fatal four way? I don't remember, but I remember it was Kadi Sane, 
Io, Bianca, and maybe somebody else. I don't remember, but that was an NXT yeah, takeover match. <laughs> I don't remember. I just remember that match was so good because there was this one spot where Bianca um, <laughs> blew a kiss at them, and then they made it like they were playing baseball, and EO caught it and threw it to Kali, and she batted it out the stadium. <laughs> That's funny. I love wrestling. But, yeah, well, we went off on several tangents. but We did, but they love it. Y'all love it, right? Leave a comment if you don't. I mean, yeah, just, e, just hit him up. Send all no, that don't hit me. They, they don't have my social media. I'm fine. I'll give it to him. Actually, they do because I definitely tag you and everything. Oh, but yeah, so quick rundown of our picks because you might have forgotten because we talked about a whole bunch of other stuff that was not that. SmackDown Women's Championship, we both agreed about Rhea. Intercontinental Championship, we both agreed about Gunther. Um, I picked Becky. Embryo picked Trish. Raw Women's Championship, I picked Bianca, obviously. And Embryo picked Asuka, giving me a dub. Uh, we both picked Brock Lesnar to beat Cody. Uh, we both picked Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, and we both think the Usos are going to cost Roman and Solo. Um, and then we both picked Kevin Owens in the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament Final. Um, anything you want to say before we Kevin get out of here, Rio? We didn't pick Kevin Owens in the Championship Final. We picked Seth Rollins. And you never gave your pick of who is going to take the pin in the match. Oh, uh, my bad. Um, yeah, I'm going Chelsea Green. Okay. All right. Who, who's better there? Uh, I think Ronda going to make her tap out. Okay, all right, so we both chose Ronda doing it. We just had different people taking it, all right. Yeah, which is so unfortunate because, look, I'm not even, like, I'm very particular when it comes to tag teams. Like, hockey, if, when it comes to women's tag teams, the only champions who I've really, really liked were the Iconics, Sasha okay. and Naomi, and that might be it. So... <laughs> If it's Ronda and Shayna, baby, when I tell you, I'm not going to care a lick about those titles. I like to live in uh, uh, I like uh, them, but love, no. No, I didn't care that. No, I didn't love them. They didn't get a chance to be loved. But I liked them. They was actually on TV. She'll get future actually having matches. So. Oh, I'm also, I'm, I'm sorry. This is so my disrespect. I also thoroughly enjoyed Asuka and Cotty saying as tag champs. They was tag champs? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. During the COVID... I don't remember that. I believe they were. I'm 99.9% sure of it. I'm going to double check. Because I know they were a tag team at that time because they were feuding with Bailey and uh, Sasha. You're right. You're right. Because Asuka ended up winning the championship or was about to win the championship. I think she's a last She lost the championship against Sasha because Bailey attacked EO backstage. And she ran backstage and got counted out. And Sasha won the championship off of Asuka. I also remember the match where... um, Sasha's wig came off. Yeah, the Kabuki Warriors were tag champs. Okay, I'm not crazy. Yep, I remember now. Didn't they win it at WrestleMania? Uh, no, nah, I don't know. Don't worry about it. We're, we're going yeah, down the rabbit hole. Hey, okay, hey, everybody, we're, we're, we go down the rabbit hole because we love the sport. We love. And it was at Hell in a Cell, by the way. All right, all right. We, we just love the sport. That's why we go down these rabbit holes because we're really passionate about what we talk about. That part, that part. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. Again, Embryo, anything else you want to say before we actually get out of here, like real, real talk? Hey, everybody be safe. And next time you hear my voice, we'll be to tell you that I actually won on the Night of Champions prediction. So y'all get ready for that. Oh, you must mean in their dreams because you're not going to win. I'm going to win. I'll say this. I I could see Trish winning before I see Oscar winning. It's okay. You have to see both. That's so sad. 
Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to be right. You, 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 it's gonna be so fun when I'm right. So fun. La, la, la. What? But all right, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you all next time.